Hello, high school basketball fans, and we welcome you to the No Shot Clock podcast. I'm Joe Henriksen of the City Suburban Hoops Report, and with me is Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times. This is the 56th edition of the No Shot Clock podcast, and uh, it's going to be a bit of a preview edition. Yes, regional play is just around the corner, but we have one big regular season weekend left on the schedule, Mike, so we're going we're gonna to take a look at those top games from the Public League semifinals to the Chicago Catholic League championship to the big conference battles that are going on to decide conference races and some really good non-conference showdowns this weekend. So we are going to get to uh, those previews and break those down a little bit, but I think we're first going to do our two takes and uh, as we do every episode. And, and Mike, you got one ready to go? Yeah, my first uh, is going to be a whine, a complaint. I, I, maybe a plea. Let's say it's a plea. <laughs> um, we know that the CPS, that the public league is going to realign. That is was in the rules. It was sent out. We don't know for sure about any of the super conference stuff or anything else. But we no, do, no super conference. Yeah. Please, no. We do know there will be a realignment. And there's been a lot of talk about that. Um, I think there's some interesting ideas with that. I think that could be a really good idea. You can make... You can really improve the overall kind of parity between the conferences with just a couple tweaks. I mean, it isn't crazy to move Young and Orr to the north, for example. They're both north of Madison. Um, Young used to be in that northwest they had for a while. Um, I think Bogan easily moved to the central. You know, there's a lot of little tweaks like that where things could just get moved around a little bit, move some teams that you know are quality in so we don't have such a log jam, you know, in the west and south. That would be cool. I think that would be a good idea. But I don't know if that'll happen. But the one thing I really hope they address is the schedule. So many teams are getting hurt by this that it's just it would just benefit the CPS. I mean, most what all but eight teams finished their season last week and they're going to have several weeks off before their first playoff game. And that is, it doesn't benefit anybody in the CPS. It, it, that has to change. They have to figure out a way for whatever format they want to do where that doesn't happen. It's just, it's a disaster. I mean, it could have been even worse if they hadn't have moved the quarterfinals from Friday to Wednesday, we would have had all but four teams done, Last week, totally. So, and I think any coaches know, everybody knows that this is the time of year where pr- practice gets a little. <laughs> I don't know what the word is, but I don't think you need three weeks of practice and no games at this point in the season. Um, it, they just now, need now, to address yeah, that. Yeah, now, now they do have to end it before really the two A starts. That's part a little bit of the problem, I think, with them trying to. But I, I haven't figured out why more public league teams don't muster up some kind of non-conference game. Do you know what I mean? The the, the week after the city playoffs are are done, or the or the week prior to the start of the state tournament play. Yeah, they do. There are like, and we don't some, hear yeah. about them. Yeah, you'll find them. But you know, honestly, no team should ever, like you said, have. 10 or 15 days off prior to the biggest games of the year. Yeah, it's it's really silly. And yeah, you're right. The 2A thing is an issue. But I mean, even with the way it is now, if either team had played in, uh, if or or uh, Uplift had survived, they would have played Wednesday, f- 
Friday, Sunday, and then the playoff would have been Tuesday. So even they would have had, you know, a really bad run of too many games. Right. Um, so even though it ended for them right in time, it just they need to figure out a way. And I think maybe you just have to make it smaller. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure you need to have every team in the red in the playoffs. You mean 32 to 16? Yeah. That way you could really compact it. I mean, I would go so far to say as you just you only get in if you win your conference. And I would take whatever those four and I'd just go. Um, I know a lot of people won't like that, but. And then you have a whole new topic of that super conference and what it does to the yeah, tournament. That Ugh. could do everything. But wh- however they want to figure things out, let's try to figure it out so that the teams can have a normal schedule. E- even, you know, it goes back to even the regular season. They basically play two-thirds of their schedule in a like one-month period of constant basketball. And mm-hmm. the teams get burned out. You know, Simeon goes through yeah, every it's year. Yeah, because it's usually a slow start because they usually mm-hmm. don't play any Thanksgiving tournaments. And they're very – they kind of creep along in those early parts of December. <laughs> and then once Christmas starts, it's bang. I mean, they hammer it out from basically December 26th through – well, what's you know, yeah. To, I mean, it's, it's that 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 middle chunk, and then and basically kinda, to the beginning of February, and then yeah. the tournament starts. I mean, it's it just it crazy. fades out. Yeah, yeah. I think Simeon played like ten games in a nine, a twelve day span or something. It's just they need to figure that out, space the schedule out more, like the suburbaner, you know, private schools. You got two games a week, and it's fairly consistent. Mm-hmm. Well, my first take, a lot's been made of Gene Pingator winning 1,000 games, which is unbelievable. I mean, he's 1,001 now, or 1,002, I believe. And it's just, it's it's an enormous number that I don't think will ever be touched just because of the longevity of it. Uh, and then I, I wrote something last week about, you know, just a fun thing about the Mount Rushmore of high school basketball coaches in Illinois. And who would you put on there? You could debate and argue a little bit, but I mean... Old-time names like Virgil Fletcher of Collinsville, Arthur Trout of Centralia. I, I had a Dick Van Syak of Peoria Manual. And, and then Gene Pingator is an obvious one. You know, I, I had my credentials in my head, Mike, where you had to win a state championship. And then success, longevity, all that, and what they meant to the game. And there's a few names that you could probably argue maybe – you know, but like Steve Gores of Boylan, who's up there, number two in wins, never won a state title. Gordy Kirkman could, you know, maybe make an argument. Uh, but what I got to thinking, the, the point of my take, is that the way high school basketball coaching is now, I mean, there, there's nobody that's – I just can't ever see anybody approaching these these astronomical win totals ever again. I can't see anybody bumping these guys off of or uh, uh, I, I guess a wide range of coaches that could potentially even do it, bumping them off my Mount Rushmore. And it just, you know, it just, it, it's, it's funny to see the change in the culture of high school coaching. Uh, I've talked to some coaches about it over the years, and it's obviously the offseason has changed tremendously from from decades ago with all the the, the – the, weight training and the, and the shootouts and, and the summer camps and all that in June. And so I, I was trying to think of a coach that could possibly crack it. 
And Mike, I mean, can you think of anybody except for potentially maybe Rob Smith that's out there right now who's at a program you know they're just going to churn out and has a long 20 years ahead of them because they're going to need 20 years to get to those numbers. I can't. Uh, and who? Bobby Frazier. All right. That's a – yeah, you'd have to go super young and – come up with a coach who's in a basketball job that's got a little staying power, which Brother Rice, if you get it rolling, we've seen what's happened there in the past. Uh, Bobby Frazier's obviously, and we've talked about him, I talked about him, actually one of my takes a while back of being one of the young, bright young coaches. And that's a good call. You know, and you know, Rob Smith is <laughs> I, I made the point, he has to coach 20 some years at 28 wins a year. That's just crazy to think about. But he's got those six state titles and who knows how many more ahead of him. But it's just that that there's not that there, those lifers. I just they're, they're far and few between going forward in this profession. And uh, the guys like Gordy Kirkman and and Gene Pingator and some of the guys I mentioned. It's just it's just a different culture in high school coaching right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting thing to to see. I don't. I kind of feel like somebody. I don't. I don't think it's something that will be impossible for somebody to achieve. Personally. The thousand wins, or to, to, the, to the, get the, in the echelon of the thousand wins. I think somebody will get it. Jeez. Uh, sooner or later. I know, but who's in a coach for forty plus years? I That's mean, the thing. It, it'll take I mean, some that, weird circumstances. I mean, the coach for forty plus yeah. years is, and in this day and age, I mean. These coaches cranked out those first twenty in a time where the 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 time commitment wasn't anywhere near what it is now in high school basketball as far as keeping up with the Joneses. And that's my thing. I just you talk to these coaches and so many of them get burnt out. And, they, and, and a lot of them don't stay in it. You know, a lot of them get out. We've seen it across the you know uh, the Chicago area where some young coaches have gotten out a little bit earlier than we ever thought. And uh but anyway, it's just uh, those are some huge numbers um, and some coaching legends that it's going to take at least a while before we, we, we approach those those figures. Yeah, no doubt about it. We have had some nice um, we've talked about it a little bit in the podcast, but, you know, Bobby Frazier, Dante Maddox at Bloom. I don't we don't really talk much about Mark Condotti at HF, but he's another really good young coach. Um, and, you know, I saw it at Hubbard when I was there over the, over the weekend. You know, they have a Hubbard grad that's there, wants to be there, loves, you know, Hubbard, isn't thinking about going anywhere else and, you know, wants to build the program there. So, uh, it out, out of the Super Conference. Yeah, exactly. We'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, who is the other? Um, you'll probably – that was Rashawn Johnson, by the way. He played with um, Otheus Jeffers. He was on those Hubbard teams, but, um, and even over at, they played Solorio when I was there and their coach was a lot of you will remember him, Anthony Newell, uh, who was on maybe the, the last, the second to last Hamburg team or the last Hamburg team to go to state, I guess, probably, um, it was him with Kelvin Brock. Um, he went and played in Europe for a while. He was, he played at ball state, but he's at Solorio now. And man, he was, he did a nice job. You know, that team, they, they had a bad record. They had basically had one guy who could really play. But they really made things rough for Hubbard in that game. It was they were a very well coached team. I think Newell has a nice future there, and Solorio is an up and coming school where it's going to be easy to kind of get that program going and started. So I think he's definitely definitely a young city coach to keep your eye on. 
my next one, um, another city team that we have not mentioned much in the podcast at all. We talked about it in the preseason, but it's Butler. They're one of the Noble Street uh, charter schools. Butler Prep, uh, Marvin Nesbitt is going to Missouri-Kansas City. He's the first ever Division One basketball recruit from the Noble Street Conference. I've been meaning to get over there and write a story on this kid for since the season started. It just hasn't worked out. Their game against Curie got moved early in the year. I was going to try to go to that, but he has been posting. I mean, I can't even count how many triple doubles he's thrown down. He's had at least five, I think. The team has some nice wins as well. They've flown under the radar. We haven't talked about it much, but they beat Farragut, who we've seen what Farragut can do, you know, when they're playing well. They've beaten Leo. They beat Rich South. They beat uh, Lincoln Park just yesterday. Earlier in the week, they did lose to DRW, which I'm not sure what happened there. And that's their first bad loss of the year because their only other losses were to Ranked Hope Academy, which I know is angering a lot of people, my ranking of Hope Academy. Uh, they also lost to Thornton. So, you know, and, the, and Curie, like we talked about. And Marvin has a little brother, Tion Nesbitt, who has put up some insane scoring totals as well. Um, it sounds like he's a pretty good shooter, but this is a team to keep an eye on, I think, in the playoffs to see what they can do. I haven't really heard anybody with a, a really full-on good report about them, but I'm hoping to get out and see Butler before this season ends. Yeah, Nesbitt is an electric athlete. You know, I, he, he kind of burst on the scene and really grew on me in July this past year. Uh, you know, some Division One schools got on him, and UMKC and Kareem Richardson got that one done. But he's just one of those kids, Mike, who's got an enormous high ceiling and you don't know where he's going to be three years from now because uh, it's just a lot of untapped stuff as far as polish and where he has as a prospect but he's an exciting exciting player with his athleticism length streaky shooter but he can put the ball in the hole so uh my other my my second take is it's more of an observation actually it's and it's a conference with a bunch of teams i can't figure out and that's the north suburban I, I went up, watched Zion Benton Waukegan game at Waukegan, the dog pound last Friday. Full gym, great atmosphere, pretty electric as you would expect those games to be uh, in that gym environment. And they went at it, and there were some technicals. And I, but beyond all that, I walked away saying, all right, Zion Benton. Got it. I, I like what I saw. I, I'm a big fan of Rod Henry Hayes, and uh, I think they might, you know, maybe surprise some people in March, and then they go out and follow it up with a loss to Lake Forest, which puzzled me. Waukegan, (laughs) a team I've seen three times now. Um, I saw them play in front of 14 people during the the flu epidemic at St. Charles East, and then I saw them again here, and, and... I don't know what to make of them. You look at their schedule up and down, and they're just wildly inconsistent, Mike. I mean, I, they've got some good wins, but then they they lost to a very poor Rockford-Jefferson team. They, they they lost Lake Forest as well. They, um, you know, they've got some, you know, lost to Libertyville. You know, I, 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 they're talented. they got three sophomores, and then they lean on these two seniors. Uh, Deshaun Davidson, who, who was terrific uh, against uh, Zion Benton, but Carson Newsom's battling some injuries and banged up. I don't know what to expect from Waukegan from week to week, game to game. And then you got Stevenson, who's got a terrific record. They're eleven and one in the league. Got the league wrapped up, nineteen and four overall. They got a bona fide star in Justin Smith headed to Indiana. And the few times I've seen them, again, I'm just not. 
I like them, but they haven't beat a great team, which leads me up leads up to it's a good segue into what we're doing our, our preview of the weekend. A, a really critical game for Stevenson in my eyes is in playing Morgan Park this weekend and kind of showing okay we can go play and beat not just play with but go beat one of the upper echelon teams in the state of Illinois. Uh, you know, they played Bennett and lost by 16. They played Prospect and lost. They don't have a ton of big wins. Uh, they lost to Hinsdale Central. So Stevenson, despite, you know, being a really good team, I, 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 it's just one that I'm still, like Waukegan, like Zion Benton, all good, all solid. I just don't know what to expect from them now or going into state tournament play as they're all in that Waukegan sectional together, which I think that Zion Benton win over Waukegan might have bumped them up. We'll see when the seeds come out. Uh, but Stevenson is in, and uh, who else? Niles Notre Dame's in there as well. So I, I, I just, this is the one league with some good teams that I'm still just not positively sure of, of what I think of them. And uh, by this time of the year, you usually have a good feel for these teams by the time we go into state tournament play. Yeah, I agree with the, all of that wholeheartedly. I mean, and Waukegan and Zion, when you see them, man, they pass the look test. Yes. You know, they're fun to watch. They're exciting. They're loaded with talent. And it's just not consistent. I know that some of those weird Waukegan losses, I'm almost positive, were without Davidson. He missed a little stretch there. And he's more important, I think, than a lot of people realize because his name. Well, Newsom definitely kind of, missed. Uh, um, yeah, he some I, time. yeah he missed some time too. So maybe that uh, the seeds are out. Uh, Zion got the five, Waukegan the six, in that um, yeah, Waukegan sectional. So I mean, that could be a real problem for Evanston and Notre Dame, the top two seeds, because wait, you, somebody got who who got the fourth in that one? Loyola. Wow. Yeah. So that's gonna put. You know, Zion, Waukegan, and Niles North will all be distributed, you know, into those other, in the, away from those four, into either with Evanston, Notre Dame, Stevenson, or Loyola. And that's going to be a tough out um, early uh, for one of those teams. I would not want to have to deal with that. Yeah, I just, um, yeah, no, that was, yeah, I said, yeah, Loyola. I'm trying to think, yeah, I had them as four. But uh, we could go on and on about the seeds now. But anyway. Um, yeah, it should be interesting. Uh, I think Zion, yeah, Zion's hosting it too. So it's going to be interesting for sure. That Waukegan sectional, who knows what's going to happen. Are uh, you ready to um, get into this preview? Yeah. The schedule's been bad this year. I'm going to complain about that too. Just overall, and it's nobody's fault. Yeah, luck. Bad luck. Yeah, we just ended up with loaded weekends where there were so many good games and then horrible weekends. <laughs> and so it's... Just I don't know I I don't ever remember it being quite this bad um, before I don't know yeah it's it's why. it's it's been weekends of just nothing and then well like this coming weekend it's yeah. just massive <laughs> we so. got it all uh, let's start out I guess with um, what do you want to start with public league semis public league semis yeah uh, it, it, you know we got Simeon Young and Curie Morgan Park and Simeon Young Mike I mean both of them just crushed. Their quarterfinal opponents. Young rolled Kenwood. Simeon uh, beat up on uh, Farragut. So, what I find interesting, and, and I'm previewing these online later tonight or Thursday night, but 
the thing that intrigues me about Simeon Young game and these teams in particular is that we the the guys we we talk we do talk about the two seniors, but we always talk about the young guys, the juniors and the the Javon Freemans and the Talon Horton Tuckers and the Kizo Browns and but at the end of the day, man, those 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 two seniors, Gilliard for Simeon and Lucas Williamson for Young, uh, are are really the the heart and soul of those teams, the backbone. The and, and you know I I just think that when it comes to this time of the year and these types of games, as we've seen in the past, those are the kind of guys. Those are the guys that you you, you lean on heavily on and come up big. Uh, for your team to, to, to win these types of games. So I really think Gilliard, Williamson, even though they're not the same position, they won't be guarding each other or any of that, uh, that battle between those two seniors is going to be big. Simeon beat Young 59-52 to back in December, Mike. If you had to go back from that game in December till now, which team has made the biggest strides? Definitely Young. Yeah, I agree. Uh, for sure. They've got they're healthy now too. They've got everybody back. I think one thing my one big takeaway from that Farragut Simeon game, Messiah Jones. He we haven't talked about him much lately. You know he's the six five is he? Um, yeah. But he's kind of pretty much the center for this Simeon team, and he was terrific at Pontiac. Um, we have to hand in our ballots for the all Pontiac team before the title game. And he was my number one. He was my, that's how good he was. And the numbers just completely backed it up. He had high double doubles in several games, was blocking shots. He was terrific. And he's been battling a little nagging injuries on and off. Well, against Farragut, he was back to that Pontiac Messiah Jones. And if he continues that this weekend, he's going to be a headache for a lot of people. He didn't finish with huge numbers because he got in foul trouble, and so he sat. But when he was out there, he was back. And that is really I – mean, you're going to hear about that a lot, I think, in this preview. There's not a much size in this area. And the rebounding is huge. It's almost taken over for turnovers this year as the stat that predicts who wins the game, you know, besides for points on my stat sheet. I've really been noticing that the last month, month and a half. And Simeon's going to need Messiah Jones if they want to win these games this week. And it, the sign is good heading in. I sat at that Simeon Young game, and I honestly, I can't remember much details from that last ma- the, the matchup in December. It's weird. It, it just is not, it's just, escape my mind of um that 59 52 game but uh I, I just like young's versatility offensively i just think they got a lot of different ways they can beat you on the offensive end and i think when they had some of those injuries to justin boyd and uh jake Koskowski and then i think some of those younger kids got some time yeah. uh that really benefited young now when they throw some of those guys into some spot minutes um and then you saw Morgan Park. Uh, you, you took in the Morgan Park win. I took in the Curie win. Uh, you, you got some super talent in that backcourt with, with Elijah Joyner, obviously the Curie star. He played very well again. It's just, when I'm watching and in the gym, typically he plays pretty well. And But the unsung hero for them, I think kind of, I don't know, all season long, but Alante Pickens was huge. He uh, knocked down threes. He gave them energy and then hit the two crucial game-winning free throws in the closing seconds to win that game. And then on the other side, obviously, Ayo Uh But I think 
the intriguing part with this matchup is going to be the bigs and how Morgan Park's bigs have kind of come along like we we hope they would. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if I can say this quite the same about the Curie bigs. Um, I, I, I just the I don't think I've seen as much impact from them as I anticipated when the season began. But they still do their job. They still do the things you need them to do. Uh, but there's not a whole lot of offensive production from from any of those guys right now. Yeah, both of the Martins are one's averaging six boards, I think, and one five. Their leading rebounder is Terry Smith Jr. He's averaging thirteen points and seven boards. So you know, between them, there they've got plenty of size, and that it will come down to that probably, and maybe which team is shooting well from three. You know, when when Cam Irvin is hitting his threes, that's the ticket for Morgan Park. You know, they just roll. That's just that extra thing they need. It's to me. It I, I'm. I think Morgan Park is the only real underdog in the final four. I would be kind of surprised if they beat Curie. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised by the any any outcome in the Simeon Young game. Of course, right? So. Yeah, I and and an unsung kid that's kind of come on for Curie is is Dennis Handy. Uh, he's he's done a nice job for them. He doesn't we never talk about him. People rarely uh, mention him, but he you know he. He's a good shooter from the perimeter. Kind of missed that Landers Nolly uh, role from a year ago in that state championship team for Curie. And and not saying Handy's in the same league as as he was, but he he's, he's hit some big shots and played well for them. Yeah, um, I was ju- I was looking up the story by the way. The last Simeon Young game, Justin Boyd was hurt and did not play for Young. Um, Messiah Jones hurt himself in the second quarter and left the game and Gilliard was in foul trouble. So d- missed a lot of the game as well. So it was a weird mm-hmm. one. Madison Lowry had 17 boards. Oh, that's right. Was, I did. I, I remember. I do remember that. I remember tweeting about how much I love them. And Castaneda uh, played well. He led young with 16. So, um, I, I know we're jumping back to that game, but something Tyrone Slaughter said to me after one of the times I covered Young this year I thought was really interesting maybe it was after the Orr game that when Javon Freeman has the ball in his hands it's just a nightmare for the other team because he is able he can get to the rim he can hit the 3 he can make an amazing pass he's just it opens everything up and with kind of the other athletes they have as well you know nobody's locked into a position for them so much and it's just that, that triple threat that Freeman has, you just don't see very often with high school players. And he's, he wasn't that guy yet when they played Simeon. So, no, it so, wasn't. Yes. Definitely. That's a big reason. To me. I mean, he, his progression in that junior class has been, you know, week by week. And, uh, but on the other hand, you know, and another Kizo Brown has been really good for Simeon over the yeah. last month. Uh, he, has, he is, yeah. you know, he's been a monster. So, that's gonna be a great game, and I I got young. I picked young at the beginning of the playoffs to to get to the championship. You got young. I don't uh, remember I think, if I picked young or Gary. I, I think you picked. I think, I think you picked young to get to the to the, to the final. Uh, but then I, we both got Curie uh, in the uh, the other semi. I uh, one of the, the it's kind of a shocker. The I would have bet all the money I had that the Simeon Young game was going to be the last game at seven, uh, since it's maybe the better game and it's Simeon. They seem to always play last, but it's not going to be that way. Simeon Young is going to be first at five. So it's going to be hard for people to get there outside of work. And if you haven't been to Chicago state, add a little bit of time because you have to pay to park and there's always a big line 
in front. So if you're trying to get to this, and I'm expecting a pretty big crowd with these games, get yeah, there as early nice as crowd. you can. Now, yeah. Are those on TV? Uh, they're going to be on tape delay on Saturday. Oh, really? Yeah, so you're going to have to be there. So yeah, I'm expecting a big crowd too. It should be kind of a, a goodbye to Chicago State for all of us <laughs> this weekend. Yeah. A Catholic final, Mike. Uh, Fenwick's dominance is the story. Two years, they haven't lost a game in league play, haven't lost a game in tournament play. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we, I don't see them losing here. Uh, but St. Joe's is a different team than when I last saw them play. I saw them play. I saw them play when they were eight and ten. They they beat Riverside Brookfield, and they haven't lost since. And you know, I watched the game yesterday. I watched the game yesterday, and the Boyd brothers played well. Marquise Walker's back. He didn't look quite – I mean, he looked a little out of sync, a little bit, came on the second half and scored some points for him. But, uh, you know, he's missed some time with, uh, I believe, it's a knee. But I – I mean, St. Joseph's clearly better than they were. I, I, I had written them off. I had put them uh, in the rearview mirror, and I thought – I think – there was even questions of, hey, will Coach Pingatory get to 1,000 wins this year? And that's how dire straits it was. But I just think this Fenwick team knows how to win. They've won too many games. they got these seniors that have been through it. And I think they, they're not going to roll but because uh, I think Joe's has solidified themselves to a degree. But I think Fenwick wins another title here. Yeah, I noticed that it seemed Pingator is taking a little less crap than he was early in the year. There, he's using his bench. He's sitting guys when they aren't doing things. And before that team was kind of running on the way it wanted, shall we say? When I let, last saw them at Proviso West, so I think that has helped quite a bit. Um, just kind of settle things down. I'm, I mean, I agree. They're definitely looking better, but I don't think they're back. And I don't, I don't think anyone they've beaten is really super great yeah no they haven't yeah. they have not like no i just it, it's I, not I, the they, dumpster it's just fire were, it was they were so <laughs> yeah, bad yeah. it was a dumpster fire yeah now it's kind of just a dumpster <laughs> i mean it, yeah you would have asked me a month ago though i, w- I wouldn't have expected them to beat st charles north i wouldn't have i mean they beat st rita by 20 and the DePaul prep game and that's a decent win i mean it's well, you know, and Brother Rice. I mean, yeah, they, they've they've solidified themselves, Mike. I mean, I'm not saying they're uh It's the Catholic League tournament. They're the providence of this year. <laughs> yeah, that could be true. <laughs> is the way I'm looking at that one. Hopefully it'll be a good one, but uh DJ Stewart, man. I'm he he is definitely uh the top freshman in the area, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any question. He's just had a tremendous year. I'm actually I've been trying to think. I didn't do any research, but when's the last time we had this productive of a freshman on a big-time team? I feel like it's been a little bit. I mean, Marquise Walker had a nice year last year, for sure. I mean, you're talking a ranked team? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think Stevenson wasn't ranked Brunson's freshman year, I don't believe. No, and and even if we got to go back that far, that's pretty far. Yeah. Jujabari. Um, uh. <laughs> yeah, I mean some big, some big names. I mean DJ Stewart is having a massive year uh, for a freshman. He's yeah, he he broke out at Christmas time, man, and he, I mean those two games, I saw two of those games, and he was terrific in both of them, and he hasn't looked back, and I think that just you know how it is. Those young kids get that little confidence boost, and 
that that familiarity and comfort level and uh, some take off with it when it when it happens and, they, and that's to his credit he did I mean he there's a lot of guys in the past who have been as talented as DJ Stewart as a freshman uh, but they just weren't ready they weren't for, ready for the bright lights they didn't uh, you know this is a, a, a team with two seniors as the, as the leaders and Jacob Keller and, and Jamal Nixon who by the way is now the all-time winningest player in Fenwick history uh, and He's just kind of acclimated himself really nicely and taken off. Yeah, he's all positive. You know, he's scoring these 17 or so points a game, and he's not taking a ton of shots. He's not taking any bad shots. I mean, his poise, and he's just an all-positive player, and that's really rare in a mm-hmm. freshman that you don't see, you know, the bad shots and the turnovers and the moments where, you know, it seems like they need to learn and grow. I don't know how it's happening, but it seems like Stewart has managed to just bring the good freshman year, and I'm pretty excited about seeing him over the next few. Uh, what's what what's next on this? Let's let's do your game, the O'Brien Bowl. Oh yes, yeah, we needed to bump this one up. Julia West, Juliet Central. I'm gonna go. I was thinking about not going, but it's in the afternoon. Not going? I hate going. I hate watching them play one another. It's weird to me. Um, <laughs> I can't. I don't like it. Uh, well, this is the best season that Joliet Central has had since the split of the two schools or two athletic. (laughs) By far, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. 2010. Um, So I I found it interesting as I was working on my preview that I'm putting up, and and I think it's kind of cool that, you know, Joliet, it was all Joliet West, Joliet West, Joliet West when the season started. Highly ranked, everybody back from a sectional championship team and thoughts of Peoria and all that. Which all deservedly so, and and they've for the most part played to that level, and then here's Joliet Central with the exact same record as Joliet West. Now they their schedules aren't the same. I mean Joliet West has played a tougher schedule, but uh, I I just think it's a great story at, at Joliet Central to put them in the, put themselves in this position to play this big of a game with a conference championship on the line this late in the year against your rival and. You know, I'm just pulled up the seeds. I'm imagining there are the two, three seeds in that sectional. Uh, yes, Joliet West is two and Central is three. So it could very well set themselves up for even a bigger game that uh, that Wednesday night of sectionals at Lincoln Way East when they could very well play each other for a, a, a sectional berth in the sectional championship. So I, I just think it's a cool thing all the way around. Yeah, it's these two teams played one another in the playoffs last year. That's the last time they played. I was there, and I'm sure it was the closest game Julia West had the whole way through to the super sectional. In a lot of ways, Central almost should have won. If my memory's right, Grubb stole the ball uh, on the inbounds, and he had a little jumper. And if he would have hit it, Central would have won. And who knows what that would have done to West. You know, they wouldn't have had kind of that momentum they had coming into this season. He missed it, but it's going to be that close. I'm, I would, you know, like picking a winner in this game, but I would make Juliet Central the favorite. A lot of people are going to think that's crazy, but it's at Central, and they have a very big home court advantage. They know these kids. They want this game. I, I think Central has to be the favorite since they're at home, but I'm not sure this is a game you want to win since, as Joe said, yeah, that's that's awful. It's especially this close. Yeah, fresh in your mind. It's not like they beat you in December. And yeah. you, ooh, we, we, 
this is like oh they they beat us ten days or twelve days ago. We're gonna get you know it's 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 a fun time for Juliet basketball fans. That's for sure. Um, I'm gonna go Juliet West in that one. City Suburban Showdown annual event. It's played at Robert Morris University this year. We talked. I talked briefly about the big opportunity for Stevenson playing Morgan Park. The only goofy thing with this, Mike, and that doubleheader is Morgan Park, Stevenson, Simeon, Evanston. The only goofy thing is you just don't know how these two city teams are going to come into these games because, I mean, they're playing some high-profile, high-stakes games Friday night at Chicago State. You lose. How do you come back and react from that, the game they really, really want to win? Uh, maybe somebody would say, oh, they want to get back at it. Some of them are just coming in flat. You, you don't know. The winners are sky high, you would think, but yet they got another game that next day that's even bigger, the city final, city championship on Sunday. So it's really hard to kind of see the the mindset and you know psychologically where both Morgan Park and Simeon could be in these in these games. But um you know, I, Morgan Park, Stevenson, I, I think Morgan Park is, again, I don't know how they're going to be coming off Friday night's win or loss, but I, I got Morgan Park winning uh, in, in that first one. And then Simeon Stevenson is going to be interesting. Interesting. I, I, I think it's a huge opportunity for No Gel Eastern. And we, we, we are still undecided on player of the year conversation with, with a handful, if not more guys. And here's no gel Eastern. Who's got, we talked about it uh, before big number. He's got really nice numbers all the way across the board. How big would it be for them to beat Simeon and put up some numbers along the way? Yeah. I'm not so worried about how they're just Simeon. This is their third year doing this. Morgan Park has done it at least two now. So I think they'll be fine coming in a uh, win or lose on Friday. I don't. Well, yeah. Didn't Simeon to interrupt you here? Didn't Simeon do the? They swept it last year, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. So it's hard to do, regardless. <laughs> oh, it sure I is. Mean... <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a little. I guess to me, one of the more, more interesting parts of this, I'll say first off, I'm a little bored with the games. I don't think they're great matchups for the level of the City Suburban Showdown, and the rematch of the game that wasn't very good last year isn't very enticing. And we're out in Robert Morris and Arlington Heights. I think this is a, a, a big, weird year for one of the big events, you know, yeah. on, our, on our calendar. Because it was a dud last year. It was a dud with the crowd. The games were duds. Yeah. Um, they need a win. And I'm wondering, I haven't talked to Bob Rilko, um, the guy who runs the event, but the Rosemont Horizon will be available for them now because DePaul's gone. Uh, Allstate Arena, sorry. So no, I'm Not right away because Northwestern's in there next year, um, but... But I don't. But since it's not their, that's what I'm wondering. Since it's not their like official home, I wonder if they'll be able to have the game. I don't know. You know how the rule goes. Um, but that could help. You know, they, this thing needs a new home. It just hasn't been the same since it had to move uh, out of Welsh Ryan. So I yeah, don't know. I it's mean, just I wish this. I wish we had different matchups. I wish this had had fallen out a little differently. Well, a rematch is never. I don't know. That's the, that's the problem I have with it. I mean, we saw the game last year, but and it wasn't. Um, good. And if it was like a great game, then you know, we, like the Simeon Stevenson games those few years. You know, but that, I, I cool. fully, I do fully expect this Simeon Evanson game to be much better than last year. Yeah. I, I just do. I um, 
But uh, I got Simeon winning that one. I got uh, Morgan. I got the city teams winning. I, I just when I when I was talking about that, Simeon did it last year. I agree. I just wonder how a team comes back after a loss in a city semifinal. That's what if they were to lose to Young on Friday night, how up and how big are, is this game for Simeon? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's very true. Uh, I think they're better off. Obviously, they're better off if they win. They want to keep it rolling. But, yeah, if they lose and the city playoffs are over for them, they just have this one-off. I just one, think they come off. in flat then. And they, yeah, because it's this one-off game before the state right. tournament starts. The seeds are done. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. But – uh, and oh, that's the other thing is shootouts late in the year. I mean, it's is pretty late. Yeah, this them. needs to happen earlier in the season for sure. Even these matchups would have been a lot more enticing early in the season. Another um, rematch, Mike, a big game. You went to it the first time, Jacobs Prairie Ridge in the Fox Valley. That'll decide that league. Uh, Jacobs lost to Prairie Ridge in the conference game. Jacobs beat Prairie Ridge in a Christmas tournament game. Cam Crutwig rolled an ankle. Uh, uh, Tuesday night, I'm not. Well, I don't think either one of us was sure. Um, I looked up your game story from the previous game, and it looks like Jacobs didn't shoot well, and they turned the ball over a lot. And Prairie, so, Prairie Ridge is missing their best player. Um, but he's out for the year. Yeah. So he's the guy who starred in that game. I'm, his, his name is um, blacking out on it now, but he was excellent. So it's very likely that both teams could not have their best players, <laughs> which I guess would kind of even it out. In this one, um, yeah, I, I don't. I guess I mean it's hard to preview this one when we don't know what the status right. is of Krautwig. I would guess that maybe they just rest him since this is, you know, kind of done. Oh, it's Kyle Loading is the kid's name from Prairie Ridge. He got hurt like a month ago, and he's out for the year. And he was a big part of their attack. So this is definitely going to be a bit of a watered down. Um, well, knowing Crutwig, I mean, I, I, they do want to win the conference, though. I mean, they're both tied. I mean, they don't want to – I mean, if he's health, I mean, if he's close to being ready, I think he'll play. Um, I just haven't checked on the status. But um, what's the, what else game? St. Uh, Pat's yeah. at Marist, the big East Suburban Catholic tilt. St. Pat's is kind of in free fall lately. And, yeah. Uh, needs I mean, a, I, yeah. I, I mean, that league has been wacky. I mean, you've got – if if St. Pat's beats Marist, you then – I mean, there's four teams, I think. Uh, Notre Dame, St. Pat's, Marion Catholic, St. Viet are all five and two right behind Marist. So it, it kind of throws the whole league up for grabs. But, uh, yeah, St. Pat's has struggled. I – you know, I was a huge St. Pat's guy. I, I liked – but they have now lost – Four out of five, Marion Catholic, Loyola, St. Viator, and Conant, and then their lone win was over Joliet Catholic. And that is... And that was oddly close, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. uh, 61 to 52, yeah, yeah. it wasn't too bad. Uh, I was interested to see, and looking that seed up, what seed they got. Oak Park did nudge ahead of them Yeah, yeah. for the 4-5. <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter because they're going to play each other anyway, but um, that 4-5, one of them is going to be 4, one of them is going to be 5. Maris picked up a nice win over Viator, uh, was it last week? Had a close one with Egg Science. I think that Morgan Taylor might be coming back this week. I, I believe so. I Wow, they got the five seed. So Yeah. Um, 
that's a tough sectional, man. I'm, I'm glancing here as we're looking. But, uh, yeah, I, I, Marist, if, if, if they're healthy, I like Marist uh, just because I, it's at home. And I, I don't know what you can take from this. I mean, St. Pat's defensively has is, is, is struggled at times. Uh, as much as they can put points on the board, uh, I, four out of five at this time of the year is, is not, not good. I'm going to, I'm going to actually take Pats in this one. Um, yeah, not, it wouldn't shock me just cause yeah, they, I'm not sure they why, can score. <laughs> but yeah, I like well, their I personnel. Think, better. I, I think yeah. Maris can kind of grind things out. Um, slope St. Pat's down. St. Pat's is, is explosive offensively, but I, I think Maris just kind of has the wherewithal to kind of slow that pace down and, and grind out a win at home. There were some things I saw. I don't want to get too um, personal, but the St. Pat's games I was at, some things in the cr- with the crowd, with the parents especially, that let's just say there was more rooting for individuals than teams. <laughs> and uh, if that's going on vocally in the stands, it's probably filtering down and through. I think that could be more of their problem than the, the personnel because we know, you know St. Pat's has the talent. But, yeah, things – if they can iron it out, this is a team that can make a run. They beat Orr on the west side. I know we talked about that a lot, but that's a win that not many teams, even in the Super 25, that quality win can say. So we know what Pats can do. Was they, that, that was at Orr? It was at Attack. Okay. All right. Yeah, um, that's right. Over yep. there. So, I mean, we've seen what they can do, and Alton Thompson did miss the loss that I covered in St. Viator. Um, and obviously, you know, he's their best player. So maybe things will... They need this win. Basically, they get this win, head into the playoffs on a high. This is a team that can do damage. You know, well, they, I mean, they yeah, really St. Pat's, well. you think about it, Mike. They've lost four out of five. Let's say they lose at Marist. That's five out of six, and then they close up with Notre Dame. I mean, that, that's a tough st- – I mean, they'll, they'll finish the year with Conant, Marist, Notre Dame. <laughs> uh, and, you know, they they, they got to right the ship here. Big game in the south suburbs uh, – Southland Conference up for grabs. Crete Moniz been hot, won eight in a row, and taking on Bloom. They'll play, I think that game's at Crete, and yeah. uh, Bloom is coming off. I think a, a game that kind of really reinvigorates them, uh, beating Thornton, and I, and I think Bloom gets this one. Yeah, this should be a good one. Um, Tom Kappel, by the way, is retiring at the end of the year. So this is going to be his last playoff run. He was coach at Hillcrest for, boy, 20-some years, was mm-hmm. it? Um, yeah. had, a, had a great run there. Took over at Crete Moni after they had their difficult situation. We'll leave it at that. I, I think this is an interesting game because Dwayne Rose is one of those really under-the-radar all-area contenders. For sure. He, he's been very good when I've seen him this year. I think I've seen them two or three times. Uh, they, they've got some un, a good sophomore on that team. You know, they like to run. It can get a little messy at times. And we probably haven't fo- talked about them quite as much as we should. So they're dangerous. But Bloom, you know, Joe's right. They, they're like St. Pat's in a way. Their highs have been very good. You know, the wins over Joliet West and Danville. They won, you know, the win against Thornton on Tuesday. Their their seniors are just kind of little scrappy, underrated guys that defend and they finish. Bloom is that team that when they get a fast break layup, that ball is going in the basket. There's none of this 
crap with, with kids who can't finish. Bloom is loaded. They're like a Westinghouse Chris head team, kind of when they get on the break like that. Austin Ritchie, you know, is an all-area caliber type player, and... It just look. It seems that they're back again. You know, after the downslide, I like them in this game, and I think they're going to be super dangerous in the sectional. Yeah, Bloom is going to be dangerous, and, and Crete. I mean, they won those eight games. I don't necessarily think any of them were were. Um, you know, they they beat Rich South, and yeah, that's about it. Uh, but you know, you mentioned Dwayne Rose, who who's an impact guy. Marquise Kennedy's a sophomore. You were talking about. Yeah. So, you know, they they. You know, I saw them at at Christmas, and and um, I think they've continued to get better. They 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 lost to Bloom early in the year by thirteen. Uh, I think I, I see this one a little bit closer, but I like Bloom too. Yeah, that was right before Bloom picked up some losses. They they had an injury, I guess. Um, one of their key guards was out when they lost the games to Hyde Park and Lockport. Um, but yeah, Bloom will be interesting. Uh, let's do, uh, uh, boy, I had a long chat about prospect. Uh, one of the, one of the refs, uh, if you're a fan of especially CPS basketball and he refs all around there, you'd recognize this guy. And he was just talking about how much this ref, how great he thinks prospect is. And now when he tells people that they kind of shake their head <laughs> at him and don't believe him, but, uh, they, they've got Hersey coming to town and, it's going to be a test for them, but I, I'm with the unnamed ref. I think Prospect is maybe the class of the MSL. I think they they got Frankie Mack who can hit some huge shots. You know, they're a team that likes to rebound, and they're just as, as solid a five as you're going to see. Yeah, I like Prospect a lot. Uh, we, we we both have been talking about them. I, I like them in the preseason. I remember a pre. I mean, they were my one of the five sleeper teams to watch in that preseason preview and. But interesting, do you know who uh, who knocked off Prospect back in December? Hersey. Hersey. That's why they weren't so, in the rankings. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, Hersey, <clears throat> Joey Cafaro, he's a 1,000-point scorer, a guard, been around and, and, and put some points on the board. But I, I just love the one-two punch that they get from Frankie Mack and Matt Zuba, who I think is one of the real underrated players in the Chicago area. I miss kid just – they run things through him. He's a big guy who can pass. He leads the team in assists, rebounding. He's just an impact guy with a stat sheet. And I like Prospect to get this win and set up a big game next week uh, against Fremd in yeah, the, the Mid-Suburb League that, that Championship That kid, has, he has attitude, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, he, he got a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I have no idea what the tiebreaker rules are in that league. Do you? No. Because right, I just wondered if Hersey, well, I guess I would imagine two wins would be the tiebreaker, I would think, if they tie with Prospect. But Mid-Suburban League probably has some crazy thing like free throws missed or percentage. <laughs> if I know the Mid-Suburban League. Yeah, it'll be some weird thing. But yeah, hopefully when we get to see that game, the uh, Prospect Fremd, uh, that would be a lot of fun. What else do we got? We're getting we're getting low on this list. We got oh uh, Willowbrook yeah. down or south means something. Uh, <laughs> you know Willowbrook has been a a, a surprise twenty four and two. They just keep on winning. They beat everybody, not named Hinsdale South, and <laughs> they lost both games to the Hinsdale South. And down or south now is boy they've been up and down too. I mean another team that that I gotta admit I I kind of ruled out and and uh, then they went and. Beat Kenwood, although still not sure how good Kenwood is. Uh, you know, but they they they've won they've won six out of seven now here at the right time of the year. 
they win this one and they, they get grab a share of the West Suburban gold. And uh, I just think Willowbrook might be due for losing to somebody other than Hinsdale South. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take Donald's Grove South in this one. Yeah, the um, Dennis Albagovic has been shooting his shooting lights out lately. Great shooter. Uh, yeah, unsigned senior. He's been very hot. Joe, we've talked about the Mustangs an awful lot on the podcast over the last two years. Maybe it's finally the, the light bulb has gone on. Maybe. They, they, they lost to Willowbrook <laughs> yeah. at Willowbrook, 56-53, right after, uh, uh, well, looks like January. So, I, yeah, I, I like Downers Grove South. Yeah, I do too. I, I, it'd be interesting to see if they can make a late season, you know, a, a March run. They're a team that has the talent to do it. They have the seniors now that'll be focused. That's the one thing you always got to look at, you know, once you come to March. Teams with seniors seem to do a little better in the playoffs, all things yeah. considered equal. But yeah, the West Suburbans just had a weird year overall. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it, both sides. Yeah, well, I mean, Oak Park ended up, and that's a team we haven't talked about lately. I mean, I, Oak Park ended up. You know, ten and one now in the league, which we thought they would win the league, and then we—I don't know—we just kind of quit talking about them. Uh, but they've—they've—you know—they're going to be a, a a tough out for sure in in that tough sectional. Yeah, it was that loss to Hinsdale Central. That was when we stopped. It was the end of January, and that was kind of when Oak Park fell off the. Yeah, and they were missing uh, uh, Jared Scott in that game. I realized I found out after the fact um, he was on a football visit, I believe, but. You know, a big obviously, and since then they've won. You, you think about that, Mike. They let's just say he plays that game and they win. They lost to Bennett by one, very good loss. So I mean, they beat Rockford Lutheran. So technically, I mean, they, they, they have finished pretty strong, uh, and, and they've got talent. They've got some size. They've got experience, and they've got some athletes. So you know, Oak Park. You know, we, they're still looking for that big March run that's eluded that program, and we'll, we'll see if that happens. And one more game that it's not—it's out of the area in terms of Geneva is playing at Quincy. And the only reason I bring it up is Geneva's undefeated, trying to cap off this undefeated season. They play St. Charles North Friday, I think. Yes. Uh, so I mean, that's not going to be a, 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 a gimme. But then they go on the road at Quincy to play, and anybody who knows follows high school basketball, a pretty tradition-rich place to go play in a, in a pretty tough environment. And you're never getting the calls when you go to Quincy. Batavia went down there, lost by, I think, 20 earlier this year, uh, arrival of Geneva. So I, I think Geneva's going to have their hands full getting out of the weekend undefeated. I'm going to say they do. But that's going to be a, a, a real test ooh, for them. Ooh. I, I got Geneva going in unbeaten going into this postseason. Wow, I got the Devils slaying the Vikings <laughs> in Quincy. Uh, I think they're in big trouble. What is that, like a four-and-a-half-hour Yeah, and Quincy's 18-4. and four. Yeah. Uh, I, I just kind of feel like Geneva, despite the record and, uh, well, and what we just talked about right before – uh, we, we haven't talked on the podcast, but before they they're undefeated, didn't get the number one seed. Not that Wheaton South doesn't deserve it. I mean, they're twenty whatever they are in one loss, but uh, you know, I if they should feel slighted, I think. Doesn't I'm not necessarily saying they don't. Wheaton South doesn't deserve the one seed, but 
I mean, chip on your shoulder. Hey, we're undefeated, twenty whatever, no, and we like we can't even get the one seed in our sectional, uh, and, and that's because of s- schedule strength. But I think this is a big opportunity for them to to kind of, you know, pump their chest out a little bit and, and and get a win. We'll see if that happens. It's definitely a fun game on the schedule. I've uh, always wanted to go see a game in Quincy. Never have. It's... One time years ago, it was really cool, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and and they weren't even good at that time when I went. So I can't imagine what it was like back in the 70s and 80s. That must have just been incredible. Yeah, that would be cool. That is on my, I guess, kind of sad, but that's the kind of thing that's on my bucket list. I'd like to go to a, a basketball game in Quincy. And Hard place to get to. Yeah, man. there's like, I've had a lot of coaches tell me about, like, publicly coaches have had to go there for football games, too, and stuff. And it's, I think, like, what, the half the trip's off the highway. Yeah, it's just, it's just a tough. It place like ends to around like Galesburg, and then you just local roads for <laughs> podcast. Who or uh, no shot clock podcast geography lesson. Uh, yes. <laughs> but uh, I think that's all our our big ones for the weekend. Really, yeah, it should be a fun weekend. And it, I mean, maybe there'll be some huge. I, I don't know. It's it's a big weekend, but I almost feel like aside from. Yeah, Evans- picking upset. Is that what you're saying? No, I mean, aside from oh. Evanston beating Simeon, there's nothing that can really happen that can shake things up that much. I was going to say, what? Well, yeah, what would be the biggest upset if it were to happen? Stevenson over Morgan Park would be the most shocking to me. And again, I'm going to say it again. I could, if one of those teams lose on Friday night, I just don't like. Well, okay, yeah, because last year, uh, Morgan Park. I think they pulled out an overtime win against RB in that shootout. But for three quarters, I saw Morgan Park completely going through the motions. Yeah. And I think Morgan Park lost that night before, right? Or did they win? I don't remember. But they, I, they were up playing, by like maybe. 20. The game was over, and then RB mounted a late comeback. Yeah, I just I – just, I saw Morgan Park going through the motions and are not playing quite as hard. So again, if Morgan Park loses Friday night and Stevenson beats Morgan Park on Saturday, then I'm saying, "Eh, yeah, but it's not quite as impactful to me. No. And I mean, even the Evanston over Stevenson or over Simeon, Simeon's sitting at five right now. So that wouldn't be like the, it's not like Bolingbroke is going down, I guess (laughs) it's my, uh, uh, so, I guess I'll throw St. Joe's over Fenway. Not that it impact. I mean, I, I think that would be a significant upset. No? It, yeah, it, it would, but I just, yeah, I guess I'm, it's my negative. The Catholic League tournament, it just, it's just been weird. And well, it's, it's going away. Yeah. So rest, rest <laughs> in peace. But. They're making the right decision on that. Well done. But, uh, Catholic League. No, folks. it'd be a fun, it's a fun weekend. And, uh, it's interesting because it goes into next weekend, which is completely dead prior to. Yeah. State so we will be that, back so. on the normal schedule and we're going to have an awful lot to talk about. I am quite sure next week, all of this, we'll have a city champion and we'll be, uh, I guess we can. Take a look at the playoffs. Get our first little kind of we'll have a little segment maybe, little overview. Lead yeah. us up into the uh, preview edition the following Monday. We get it ready, but that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm-hmm.